everybody. Good morning. Uh, in the last uh, service, uh, Pastor Sam, he said that it was a really nice day outside. Uh, and I have lived in, listen, I've lived in Minnesota my whole life. I do not consider this a nice day outside. I am freezing. So uh, it's fine. Uh, anyway, I would, um, yeah, just love to um, honor Pastor Sam and Renee. You guys, um, uh, I got to do ministry with you guys um, a while back, did some youth ministry with you guys and all that. When you move back to Minnesota, it's, it's really been a joy to uh, do this with you guys and uh, love the uh, the stuff we get to do. Uh, sometimes it's uh, painstaking, crazy hard work, and uh, uh, but it's it's worth it. So love building church community together. Um, I know for me, one of the um, things that I cannot, and I, I think I've said this before, but one of the things I cannot separate is my experience with Jesus, the message of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't separate those from my experience with the people of God. And so th- those two things, they're, 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 t- they're, a, they're kind of a package deal. Um, and, and, you know, one of, um, in our time, we, like, there's a lot of, like, scandal of churches and things like that. And let me tell you, the church, um, there's, there's plenty of a really deeply unfortunate, tragic things that have happened. But can I tell you, the people of God, um, like, when I experience you guys, when I experience, like, the community that happens, in a church like ours, um, it's special. It's really special. So uh, I'm excited to um, preach this morning. Um, and uh, last service, I used a stool because I was going to be like a chill guy, but I decided not to. So I'm going to like walk around a little more, whatever. Uh, that wasn't funny. Fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I did preach uh, uh, earlier this year. Um, and you may uh, hear a little bit different of a human. It may just be a more tired human. Uh, but my wife and I did have our first child recently, which is super fun. Uh, and her name is Aurora Lolly Anderson. Aurora Lolly Anderson. But we call her Rory uh, because we like Gilmore Girls. I don't know. Like, I don't, Yeah. That's not the reason. We just call her Rory because it's a fun nickname. But there's a picture of her that you probably want to see. So it's just important. It's just obligatory. We just have to do it. It's a really huge bummer that we have to see this picture of Rory. Do you have the picture? There we go. Look at that. Look at that. That was her Halloween costume. She picked it. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, every time she smiles like that, I just go, when you're 16, I'm going to buy you a Tesla. So... Just get look at it for hours. <laughs> I've just showed so many so many people that photo. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, we should probably talk about uh, Jesus and the Word of God. Huh? Uh, <laughs> if you have a Bible with you, uh, we're gonna read out of Ephesians chapter two. Um, Ephesians chapter two, um, and uh, just to give you a little bit of kind of context. Um, if, if uh, something I tell people a lot uh, with the Bible, if you're reading it, is that context is king. So you got to know uh, what, not just uh, what the words that you're reading, but like, what are you reading? Like, what, what is it that you're being delivered when you're reading the scriptures? Um, and Ephesians is a letter from uh, Paul. Um, it, it, there are uh, a bunch of letters in the New Testament. The Bible, um, it's, um, it's probably less accurate to call the Bible a book, although it's not wrong or anything, but like it's not really a book. It's actually a library of a bunch of uh, books, uh, but it was like formed before books existed. So it's kind of a whole, I don't know, it's complicated. But um, the letter of Ephesians, uh, the letter to the Ephesians from uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is a letter. Um, he, uh, when we read uh, Paul's letters, it's really important. Uh, and, I, and I like to use this metaphor. It's kind of like if you were reading 
um, someone's email inbox, but you only had like one side of the, of the, you only had like the sent messages, not the received ones. Does that make sense? So there's kind of a, um, you know, we're reading Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but we don't necessarily know what the Ephesians said back. You ever, you know, like you ever read a letter and you're like, huh, I wonder what they like, did they say anything back to him or, you know, did they correspond or whatever? And so there's been lots of um, great kind of New Testament scholars and um, work that's been done to kind of reconstruct the world of the New Testament and and, and help us try to understand um, what exactly is going on when Paul writes these letters, like what's the church going through, like what's the cultural climate and context and all that stuff. Uh, and so Ephesians uh, is Paul writing to probably a number of churches. Uh, it does say Ephesians, but um, in earlier manuscripts of the uh, letter, the, it doesn't say Ephesians at the beginning. So there mo- a lot, I would say the general consensus in scholarship is that this is probably a circulated letter. Um, it's not just to necessarily one group of people. And so because of that, it's maybe a little... We could probably call it a little more of a generalized letter from Paul, a little bit of a like general theological reflection that he wants to give to a larger group of people. It's a little less specific to like a certain situation, if that makes sense. A lot of his letters are like, you guys did this wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. The Ephesians is not necessarily that. And uh, it's split into two parts. Um, really, the first section of Ephesians is the first three chapters, and then the second section is kind of the last three chapters. And the first section is all about... God and the story of Israel. Um, uh, Paul is a like Hebrew Bible, Old Testament nerd, um, and he lives in like an oral culture. And so, so much of the Bible and the story of the Bible and how it all works and what God's been doing is like kind of uploaded into his brain. And so, when he's writing without necessarily like explicitly referencing the Old Testament, he's like talking, he's kind of talking about the Old Testament. He kind of just, it's almost like it goes without saying. Does that make sense? So, uh, important to know. Uh, and in chapter one of Ephesians, uh, he kind of opens with like a prayer and he, there's this huge Thanksgiving, there's huge, this beautiful poem about like what, what God's doing in the world in Jesus. And then, uh, in chapter two, uh, there is a, um, a, uh, uh, chapter two is kind of split into two sections. The first section is, it's all about what God's done in Jesus. And then the second section in chapter two is kind of all about what God now wants to do through his church and his people. Uh, and so we're going to read, uh, we're going to pick up there, um, in, uh, chapter two, verse eight, chapter two, verse eight. It's a super familiar passage of scripture. You guys have probably already, um, many of you have probably heard it and read it. And uh, if you, I, I grew up like a Baptist kid. I was in Awanas, you know what I'm saying? So uh, we, I memorized this thing uh, and I don't think it's stuck, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through 10, I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, we're going to continue, but I think um, th- this is one of the most interesting passages, little passages of Scripture that's like super kind of popular, and a lot of people like this is one of those like scriptures that people like have on their wall in their house. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you know, people have like Bible verses up in their house. This is like one of those scriptures that a lot of people you know might put on something or whatever. Um, but 
like it should it kind of blows my mind. I could, you could probably preach a whole message about just this because it says it's by grace you have been saved, not from your works, and you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Like <laughs> that's that feel that's a that's like a bait and switch, God. You know, like that's frustrating. Why would you do that? Um, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, the, the important thing here is that it actually continues. So this is kind of ending the first section. It's talking about what God's what God's done in Jesus for uh, for people, and it it continues. Um, it's set, and you know it continues because it says therefore, therefore comma and then it says more. So verse eleven, therefore. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Um, kind of the context of this, just side note, is that if you, uh, tons of Paul's letters are, are, are like this. He's talking about the Jew and Gentile divide. And if you've read much of the New Testament, you can kind of get a sense of that. Um, he, what he's really dealing with is like there's um, Jewish people who have been following like Israel's God and being faithful to the law and the Torah and all that good stuff. And then Jesus comes and says, I'm the fulfillment of the law. And then he invites all of humanity to take part in uh, this new kind of uh, uh, covenant that he's created. Now, if you're a, a Jewish follower of Jesus, you're like, okay, so do I do that stuff I used to do? Or do I like not anymore? I think, you know, and a lot of them do and some of them don't. Some are like half and half, but then they're also like, do the new people, the new guys, why do they get to come in and like, they don't have to do anything. That's frustrating. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, yeah. So it feels like, man, they like got in on the, on the, they got in on the promise and we, not, not a lot of us, I mean, unless there's any like Orthodox Jews in the room, there's not a ton of us that are like, that have that experience, but we, uh, they, you know, we, we don't necessarily, uh, empathize with that, but they're like, why do the Gentiles get to. Like, do they have to do anything? Like, I feel like they should have to do some stuff. So the, he's kind of dealing with this, like, challenging, like, divide, if you will. And, and, and a lot of churches in, in different cities would divide over this. It'd be like, hey, maybe we should just have different churches. Maybe we should just have the Jewish church, and maybe we should just have the Gentile church. And Paul is, like, adamant throughout the New Testament. No, no, no. Like, you guys are one unified people of God. Jesus has opened up the door. So he continues, remember that at time, that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one, again, thinking about this cultural divide, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. 
Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a power, like a powerful section of scripture where Paul's like, and he's writing to uh, largely to, to Gentile Christians who are like, why should we unify with those? Like these Jewish Christians, they're like telling us we got to do all this stuff. And like, we don't even, like, I don't even know what that is. You know, um, it, it's a real cultural divide. Um, but what Paul uh, is laying out here is a beautiful picture of how Christ has renewed humanity and made it what it was originally meant to be. Uh, recently, I, uh, story time. Everyone like story time? Story time? Great, great. Story, I love story time. Uh, it's the best part of a sermon sometimes. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, recently, my wife and I, uh, uh, who was not here, she was at the last service, but we recently got to, for the first time, we, uh, side note, we, does anybody like to visit cities in here? Anybody like city people? You're like, I would love, I love to go like visit cities. Anybody not city people? Okay, there you go. We got an even divide in here. In the first service, everyone was like, not city. No, 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 no. I was like, oh, you're not going to like this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, my wife and I recently got to visit New York City for the first time, okay? Uh, now, New York City is a magical place, okay? I don't know if you have been. Uh, it's amazing. I, there's like brick streets everywhere and you just walk around and there's like bagels that are delicious and like crispy on the outside, moist on the inside. Like they just put so much of the shmia in there, you know, like the, uh, <laughs> I could just call it cream cheese here, but you know, it's fine. We can call it, we have a name for it. Uh, and then <laughs> the pizza, like what? Um, anyway, if you haven't been New York pizza, change your life. I'd go just for the pizza. Like, that's the only reason. Um, and then there's, like, good coffee everywhere and all this stuff. And, like, so we got to visit New York City for the first time. And we, my wife had family out there. We were out there for a wedding and stuff. But we were like, we got to go in the city, you know. And so we spent a whole day in the city. And uh, it was a ton of fun. It was amazing. But when we visited New York, uh, we landed in LaGuardia Airport. Um, at LaGuardia Airport, they were, like, doing this. Uh, I was actually really impressed. I was like, this is a beautiful airport. They, they had, like, remodeled the whole thing. It was like, always, like it's crazy. But when we landed... I decided, um, as we got off the plane, I don't know if you've traveled with an infant before. It was our first time traveling with Rory, and you got to bring a lot of stuff. Like, it's like the stroller and the, and the car seat and the car seat base because we got to put that in the rental car because we want to save the 50 bucks and not pay the rental car people. You know, I don't, I'm, paying, I'm paying as little as humanly possible here. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, we got, like, bags on bags on bags and bag, bags. We're, like, bringing in so much stuff. You're, like, we're, like, if we got stranded here for a month, we could survive, you know. Uh, <laughs> it'll be fine. Like, um, probably brought a few too many things. But whatever. We had, like, four or five bags. It was nuts, right? Um, but uh, I get there. We're, we're, we're getting off the plane. We get to baggage claim. We get all our stuff. And it's just this big pile of things. And I was, like, I'm going to be a good, like, husband dad right now. This is just, like, I, a lot of you guys, this is like a no brainer. I'm new to this. So, you know, I may, whatever, but I, I was like impressed with myself. I was like, I'm going to be a good husband dad right now. And I said, Nat, I, my wife's name is Natasha. I call her Nat. I was like, Nat, I'm going to go get our rental car and you just stay here. And then I'll come back with the rental car and we just pull all stuff in. It'll be so, so easy. It'd be great. And she's like, that's a great idea. 
God bless you, my wonderful husband. <laughs> That's not funny. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> I don't like that you laughed. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and so I, I'm like, okay, here we go. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go figure out how to get to. And where's Terminal C? There's like three terminals. And there are Terminal C, and there's Terminal B, and there's Terminal A. And I gotta get to Terminal A to then hop on a shuttle to get my rental car, and then come back to Terminal C and pick up my wife and child, and it'll be great. Uh, and I, so I had to find a bus. So there's like these shuttles that carry you around, you know, how airports work, whatever. And I get uh, to the shuttle area, and there's a bus, and the bus says we're going to Terminal B, and I'm like. Like, I don't, most places on earth, I would assume, Terminal B, after that, where are you going to go? Terminal A, right? So I hop on the bus, right? Just like, right on it. Don't think twice. All good. Um, that bus did not go to Terminal A. Uh, so I'm, you know, hopping on, you know, I'm on the bus waiting, get to Terminal B. I'm like, here we are. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. We uh, uh, keep going. And I'm like, it's been a while. Like, it's like I've been on this bus for a little bit, you know. Um, and I, I don't feel like, where are we, you know? So I'm like, I'm a millennial, um, and so I just look at my phone. I don't ask for strangers for directions, right? That's just weird. Like, I don't talk to people. Uh, we have, I have I have an iPhone for that. What do I need to talk to people for? So, uh, I, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I'm looking at my iPhone, and I'm like. This is not like the like the air. This I don't feel like this like this is near the airport. I feel like where are we going? But the terminals are like a little far away. So I was kind of like, oh, it probably just like goes around, you know? Like he's probably just taking the long way or whatever. The, like a couple minutes later, I'm like, oh, this thing is not going to Terminal A. Okay, not at all. And next thing I know, I'm like lost in the middle of Queens, like on a bus, you know. And let me tell you guys, I'm a suburban kid, okay? So, like, you put me on a bus, I'm like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how this works. Like, where do I go? Like, how do I, so I'm, like, talking to the bus driver. I'm like, hey, man, like, how do I get back to the airport? And he's like, oh, you got to get back to the airport? I'm like, well, yeah, we were just there. Like, there's got to be a way to get back, right? And, uh, yeah, so uh, they're all confused. I'm confused. I'm like, you know, the, the Apple map says that you can t show you transit directions. No idea how to work that. Like, that is so confusing. So um, finally, I'm like, there's this lady on the bus, and she can see I'm struggling. She can see I'm, like, stressed out, confused, not sure what to do. And I'm just sitting here like, I just want to get a rental car, you know? Then I could be a suburban kid again in the rental car. And uh, uh, the lady's like, hey, uh, you're trying to get back to the airport. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am. She's like, I work at the airport, so I can help you get back to the airport. And I was like, God bless you. What do we do? And she's like, well, this bus is going to go to this big, like, interchange, like this terminal where all the buses kind of meet. And as soon as those doors open, you got to follow me and you got to run. And I was like, what? Like, you, people are built differently in New York City. Like, seriously. <laughs> I've never, like, I'm like, oh, we got to run? Okay, you know, I was like, we don't do that in Minnesota. Like, I don't like, we just, we just calmly walk. Um, so, uh, but uh, we, I'm like, okay, all right, I got to follow this lady's directions. So the, the bus arrives, and this lady, this was like, this lady could be my grandma. Like, I've never seen anyone run that fast. I'm serious. She was, 
oh, she's booking it, right? So she's like, we got to go. We, you know, I'm like, all right, all right, here we go. And we run, and we're like running through this terminal, and there's like all these hallways and stuff like this. And she's like, that bus right there. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> what? Like, just get on it. I'm like, what? all right. Like, just get on the bus. Do I have to pay? Like, how does this? Um, got back to Terminal C, so back where I started. So... New York City, you know, it's, it's the Big Apple. It's the greatest city on earth. Um, no, it was actually, it was awesome. But um, I remember thinking uh, when that lady helped me out, I was like, oh, this is how, like, that lady, she's the best. Like, that's how humans are supposed to be. That's how humans are supposed to be. Like, she was so nice. She was like, you have a problem. I'm going to help you. Like, I, you don't know where to go. Like, I'll help you get there. You're like this like pasty suburban kid that doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and I remember thinking, you are like, I, I, all of humanity should be like you. This is amazing. It's incredible. And I think in Ephesians 2, Paul is saying, here's, here's what humanity is supposed to be. We, um, again, as I said before, Paul is swimming like mentally in the Old Testament and the story of Israel and all that God's done. And Jesus for, for Paul is, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. He's, he's the one who comes and, 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 and does what no human could do before. And Paul, um, he's, he's kind of um, doing something interesting and he's saying in response to that, Here's what I want you guys, here's what you guys are meant to, to do. And, he's, and, and what he's saying is, here's how I want humanity to be. In the church, we're meant to be a new humanity. And so this morning, I'm, I'm, uh, for the remainder of the time we have, I'm just going to um, teach a little bit on this idea that Paul's introducing here for us in Ephesians 2 a, called a new humanity. Um, a lot of, I don't know about you guys, uh, but... For me, this is just my experience. I know a lot of people, and I sometimes I'm a little upset with, at times, how many Christians I know that have a really low view of humanity. Like, we're like, man, the world's, like, crazy. Like, man, we just got to, like, get, you know, we got to get out of here. Jesus, come back, save us. Like, what are we going to do, you know? And um, I want to say a, absolutely amen to our our absolute, like our faith that Jesus is with us, that he's like, our eternity is secure with him. But what I want to ask is, do we think um, that God has a low view of humanity? I wonder. Um, and I want to explore this a little bit. Um, one thing that's annoying about me, you might like it, you might be annoyed about it. I, I pretty much every time I talk about uh, anything in church, I talk about Genesis 1 through 3 because uh, the whole Bible is kind of in Genesis 1 through 3 in a sense. And people are always annoyed. They're like, stop talking about Genesis 1 through 3. I'm like, but it's like, it's really cool. Um, uh, and uh, in our creation narrative, Genesis 1 through 3, um, there's a picture painted of a God that creates human beings, puts them in a garden called Eden. And then he lets that he like he gives he empowers them to rule on his behalf. He's saying, I, I'm gonna make this space for you, and I actually wanna give you some authority here. So it isn't just that God created humans to just to kind of be something to like he just needed someone to like glorify him. 
He actually wanted to empower humans. Genesis 1, all of Genesis, all of the Torah, the prophets, the Old Testament, um, I've come to find has a really high view of humans. Um, if you're not aware, the Old Testament, most of it is written in ancient Near East, in the ancient Near East. And that, that um, really is like a time period um, where there's a ton of different religious perspectives happening. And a lot of what the Old Testament's doing is it's actually helping Israel be set apart um, because it's saying, you're not like these this nation, you're not, you don't believe this thing about God, this is what you believe about God. And so when we read something like Genesis 1, where it's like humans are put in a garden and told to rule, um, I don't think we know even just how much that was like revolutionary in the ancient world. Uh, there's a, a really amazing uh, Old Testament scholar, his name is John Walton, done a ton of great work on the Torah and the law uh, and all that. And he has observed that their, uh, most ancient Near Eastern cultures had a relationship with their gods that he calls the great symbiosis. And what that means is that the gods existed to help humans and that humans existed to help the gods. So it was like this back and forth relationship. And Walton, uh, he says, I think we have a quote on the screen. Yep, that's great. Uh, we have a quote. Um, Walton says this. He says, in Israel, in place of the great symbiosis, we find that the relationship has been redefined in which humans display God's glory and enhance his reputation rather than provide for his needs. Because our God doesn't have needs. And so then the role of humans becomes, in the Hebrew scriptures, to go and represent God. So rather than, we're not, we're not, we're not just existing, God didn't just need people to bring things to a temple for him. Like he, he's like, go represent me. Go be my people. And I think sometimes even we have a low view. Um, this is a bit of a side note, but like sometimes we have a low view of even like the law and the Old Testament and stuff. And we're like, well, that's all, that was all like, you know, oppressive and whatever. Um, we forget like, um, God, man, God had no business continuing to make a covenant with Israel. They just messed up, messed up, messed up, and messed up. But he keeps showing up. And says, I still want to, I still want to be in a relationship with you. His law is actually grace. His law is saying, I'm gonna make a way for you to continue to be my representatives in the world. So if you're an ancient Israelite, you're like, the law is amazing. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Humans are God's representatives in the world, and God remains committed to humans. He remains super committed. This is not a low view of humanity, but a high one. Again, I want to, I just want to, you know, th I, th this is something even for me, like in the, in the last year or so, has really helped me rethink what God's doing in the Bible. Uh, because so often I, f I felt like, man, God has like a low view of humans, so he sent Jesus, and now, like, we, now we can be okay. He sent Jesus because... He, he believe like he wants to continue to believe in us. You know what I mean? Like there's this, it's a, it's, it's wild. The more you read it, the more you read it. The law is grace in the, in the old Testament. Now there's a caveat. Obviously, uh, humans do not always, uh, represent God well. 
Anybody know anybody who's not represented God well? It happens a lot. <laughs> and uh, we see that all over the place in the scriptures. It's like, wow, nobody can do this. You know, um, Moses, like, wow, Moses, he's, I bet he could do it. Even he fails. David, like, what? This dude, he's like, he's for real. Even he fails. And then where you have all these like weird prophets towards the end of the Hebrew scriptures who they, they, they spend a lot of time critiquing the ways that Israel's lost their way. Like they, they have, they're not representing God well. Now Jesus, and we're about to kick off an Advent series next Sunday, but Jesus becomes the faithful representative. Amen? Like, like the function of Jesus if, if, you're, if you're Paul and you're writing to this church, you're trying to remind them, like, Jesus has become that. Like, the thing that you've always hoped for and longed for and, and wanted, the problems in the world, they're being solved in the person of Jesus. But sin, even, even as, as we must be super, super aware that sin is is a curse like humanity's been put under. It's also been lifted in Jesus. And it's not a prescription, it's a condition. We're not we're not bound to sin because of Jesus. We're invited actually to become new humans. And I think this is what Paul is getting at in Ephesians. We're invited to become new a new humanity. But Paul not only talks about the finished work of the cross and the salvation that brings, he also then says, here's what that looks like. Here's how you be that new humanity. And so in Ephesians, as we're, as we're walking through this and even reflecting on it, like the thing I'm amazed by is how much of Paul's stuff that he's talking about is like relational. It's about me and you. It's about us. It's about it's about the family of God together. And so many of the problems he's addressing, even in his other letters, is like, guys, you keep breaking up the family of God. You keep breaking up the family of God because of you disagree about this or there's like, honestly, things that in Paul's view are just not important in comparison to the gospel message of Jesus. And I think... Um, you know, in a, a time like we're living, you know, a lot of people uh, have called this like unprecedented times, right? Um, throughout human history, these are actually kind of precedented times. Um, I, I think the more I, uh, you know, <laughs> side note, I really like uh, the Netflix series, The Crown. I think it's like the coolest show ever. Yeah, I've been watching The Crown and I'm like, yeah, we're living in precedented times. Like this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like the stuff they're dealing, they were dealing with and like, 1940s Britain. I'm like, I would like, I would just die. Like, this. How would I even like? How would I survive? Like, this is insane, right? Uh, I can't even navigate the bus in New York. You know. Um, we're 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 living in more precedented times than we think, and I think so often, um, you know, times like this can bring out the worst in us. 
And the family of God, uh, sometimes, I, I don't know, it's crazy. I'm watching people, this is just, honestly, this is just, this is not in my notes, but like I'm watching people that I know who are followers of Jesus, like quit on God's family, quit on the people they love and know who they're doing life with and doing faith with because like a political disagreement or like you retweeted that on Twitter or something. And I'm like, I think Paul would be like, you're a new humanity. What are you doing? You know, like that's not like see the bigger picture, you know? And I think if anything, hard times like, you know, we're starting to see a little more in our, in our culture and our, and in our nation is it helps us focus on what really matters, the bigger picture. And I think Paul, um, what he wants to do in this letter is help people see the bigger picture. Here's a quote. I love uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, big fan of him. And uh, here's a quote. He says this, the United Church is not an optional extra to the work of redemption, but is itself part of the reality of the gospel. The way in which God is taking forward his plans for the whole cosmos to radiate with his glory. Can we not reduce, this is where I think it's so, it's very difficult sometimes for us and for, for me, like, can we not reduce the gospel for just, to just like, oh, what, did, what is God going to do for, for me? Like the united new family of God is actually how the world sees the gospel. The people who, who never, maybe they don't know Jesus. They don't, maybe they've read a Bible they haven't necessarily heard of the hope and the love and the, and, the, and the incredible story of Jesus. The way they see us is how we treat one another, like how we, how we embody a new humanity. Amen, church? Um, I want to invite uh, the band up. We're going to worship in a little bit here. Um, but I want to read uh, another familiar passage. Um, it's in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus, um, this is one of the craziest uh, things to me. Jesus, he's uh, with, uh, he, he, he is a human who, who God has become human, human in Jesus. Then he is crucified. Then he's resurrected. And he comes back and he's hanging out with his apostles. He gives them a great commission. He says, uh, Go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then he's like, but I got to go. That's weird. Like, if, I'm, if I was a disciple of Jesus at the time, I would have been like, but, like, why do you have to go? That just seems like, but you're, like, like you're, you're pretty, like, you heal those people. Like, it's pretty nuts. Like, I feel like you could stay if you wanted to, you know? Like, I don't, like, does anybody else think that's a little weird? Like, Um, but there's something, I think there's something really, um, radically new going on when we read this story, because Jesus says, it's actually better that I go and that, than that the Holy Spirit comes. It's actually better if you guys do it. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to send the helper. 
I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to inhabit you. But I actually am going to re like, it's Jesus re-upping God's promise from before. See, we think that a lot of times we think that Jesus is like canceling the law and canceling God's old stuff. He's like re-upping it. He's like, guys, we're doing this again. But now it's for all of humanity, for all of the earth to hear. We're doing this again. Like I, like it's actually better that you guys do. Like I, that doesn't make sense to me. It's crazy. It's still crazy to me. Acts chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. It began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I've heard that verse taught a lot and then stop at verse four. But it continues. It says, now there, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't the, all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now what's happening here, <laughs> what God does at Pentecost, when he says, hey, Jesus is like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, but wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna go, but wait for the Holy Spirit. And then what happens when the Holy Spirit comes is exactly what Paul says earlier in Ephesians. The dividing walls are broken down. So the way you're gonna know that the Holy Spirit is moving is when dividing walls come down. Is when the things that divide us, that are like a product of our sin, a product of our inability, like, like guys, humans, I, I'm, I'm, this sermon is about having a high view of humanity, but make no mistake, like, we mess up, we lie. We try to get power that isn't ours. We, we speak against one another. We gossip. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's terrible. But like, what? In Paul's view, in the writer of Acts' view, in Jesus' view, the thing that is the evidence of the gospel is when the walls are broken down. Like the sin being undone, it breaks down walls. And so I, I, I just wonder, um, church, as we worship, God is still committed to, to humanity. God, God, God is like, God is not, he's actually, if anything, he's re-upped it, his commitment. He's a high view. He's like humans, like there, it's actually better that you guys do this than like Jesus being, like that's, I mean, it's a bold claim, right? But are we still committed to humanity as his church? Is our view, are we gonna allow our view to come up short? And I think even as we're like going into holidays, man, there's a lot of people that maybe we don't wanna talk to. I don't wanna have that conversation with them. I don't wanna be around them. They said this on Facebook. They didn't say this on Facebook, I don't know. There's tension, there's relational tension. 
But those who are empowered with the Holy Spirit, they break down walls. They break down walls. That's what we do as the people of God. So can you stand with me? We're going to worship in a sec. And as we worship, I just want to ref- I just want us to reflect on this. God's empowered you. He really has. He's given you the ability. He's given you the Holy Spirit so that you can break down walls. And that's evidence. Like, the, the fact that we do that is evidence of the gospel. That's when people go, whoa, that's how humanity is supposed to be. Whoa, that's how humanity is supposed to be.